Hey there, everybody. Thank you so much for swinging back by and checking us out today on Todd Bits. What a great month we're having. What a great guest we have on today, back for her second time. Yes, it's true. I did not piss her off the first time enough to get her to come back a second time. She didn't bring grandma, but I've got her here. Please, everybody, give it up for our friend in beautiful Washington, D.C., the managing director of Brownswell Strategies, Carmen Rottenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. Thank you, Todd. It's good to be here. Thank you. I'm so thrilled that you're here. I enjoyed our conversation last time so very much and, you know, got such great feedback from everybody. They were so impressed with the dialogue about what goes on in D.C. So I thought, hey, what a better time to have you come in. The administration's been around a year. Got a little color in the backdrop for you. You know, I know. We're ready. Yeah, I know you're ready. It's a little chilly back there. Yeah, February February in D.C. tends to be a touch chilly. I'm blending in a little bit to the backdrop, though, today, but, you know, that's all right. And I love that LPGA uh, hoodie that you're wearing there. Big golf fans in my family. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I am too. I'm a lifelong golf, lifelong golf fan, a huge fan of the LPGA based on when I was a kid and got to meet uh, up close and personal with one of the really major stars and really impacted me in a big way with the sport and especially with the girls sport. But this hoodie is really important to me and it's something we support. It's actually a charity called Hoodie for Golf and it's a really cool foundation. It's a really cool process you're going through and we support it here and I hope, you know what, I'm going to talk about it now that you brought it up, but it grants golf programs um, to increase participation for girls in black communities. And anytime we can do something to put sports in front of people that don't have that opportunity, yeah. I am all in. And the backstory on this is, you know, and, and I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent before we get started, but the backstory on this, I would encourage everybody to get on the Google machine and type in Clearview Golf Club in Ohio and read this history and the story of what this all is. It's fantastic. And so anyways, yeah, thank you. So we're just throwing some love out there and keeping the good goodwill going. I thought, hey, it makes me kind of look like a, you know, kind of like a cherry blossom in some ways. Great. Thank you. I appreciate you asking about it. Um, but welcome once again. Like I said, I'm just really thrilled that you're here. I think there's a lot to talk about. You know, we talked. Oh, God, months and months back ago, and the administration's trying to get under their feet a little bit where things are at. You know, here we are in February, and they've been going at it for a year now. They know which way now. They know they know where the vending machine is in the hallways now. They know where to go. So I wanted to kind of just check in with you and, and talk about what's going on from an ag position, um, because I think your lens is so incredible because you're not in, you know, you're in the game, but you're not a part of the current administration in that respect. So you can see things from a multiplicity of angles. So, but before we get going, just tell everybody who you are and introduce yourself and give everybody a little bio and, and we'll take it from there. So as Todd mentioned, I'm the managing director and owner of Groundswell Strategy, um, which is um, a, a, com- a company that really assists folks that are in the ag sector with regular with uh, regulatory issues. So with navigating the regulatory landscape, um, overcoming hurdles, uh, operating within existing regulatory structures, and then also sometimes advocating for new policy as well. I spent 13 years at USDA's Food Safety and Inspection Service um, and was at the Federal Trade Commission uh, for a few years before that. So I have a long history in the federal government. Left two years ago from federal government um, in order to form this new consulting firm. And really, um, I branched out to do consulting work because I saw that there was a real need for folks that had experience in the government with doing this sort of, you know, regulatory work. There's lots of lobbyists in D.C. And of course, I do some lobbying. And, you know, when you think of classic lobbying, you're trying to influence members of Congress or influence members of the administration. But there's a a huge section um, of work that goes on in regulatory agency that has nothing to do with either of those things. And so that's the niche that I fill. 
I love it. And again, it's that perspective, right? You come, you come from being inside, you know, inside the game to coming out and now having that perspective to give back, which I think is so important, you know, um, because there's so many critical issues out there that I think sometimes in in a lot of ways, and I think you would agree, sometimes they lack perspective. Um, yeah. yeah, And I think that it's important that we have those voices and you're representing, you know, your clients to make sure their voices are at the table, they're being heard and understanding what's in the fine print of a lot of things. So before we go, I, I do want to ask, so what's new at Groundswell? Because I know you have some kind of breaking news that's worth we're sharing here with our yes. audience. I'm so excited. So I started Groundswell in April of 2020, and it was just me for uh, for, for about 18 months. Um, but I just brought on a senior director for government affairs. Uh, her name is Anna Osterland Jones, and I met her at USDA uh, when she was doing congressional work. But um, she was Bruce Summers chief of staff over at AMS uh, after she worked with me prior to um, at USDA. Prior to her time at USDA, she had some time with a startup in California, and she's got Great Hill experience um, with the senator from her home state of Missouri. So I'm thrilled to have her on board. She's uh, she's very, very smart and just fantastic um, uh, strategist. So she's perfect for Groundswell. I love it. I think that's fantastic. Congratulations. It's good Thank to see. You so it's, much. Good, it's good to see the good guys winning. I appreciate that. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. So yeah. let's get into it. Let's go to the first, you know, kind of my first thought, first question. How is this current administration different in ag? Just an ag as a total, not poly, yeah. whatever, just ag, ag. Uh, right. Than the previous than the previous administration. Well, you know, I've I've worked well, I worked in the government um, over multiple administrations of different parties, um, and I think that there, my focus is really on the career folks in the agencies who don't change in each political administration, and I think that that gets lost sometimes in what we mm-hmm. see in the news media, right? So. Um, The executive branch of the government as it relates to food safety, which is really my niche, uh, I work a lot with food safety and inspection service at USDA and APHIS, Animal Plant Health Inspection Service, and then um, folks at FDA. The food safety world just sort of keeps marching along in the same direction, regardless of change in administration. Um, What we do see is sometimes a difference in messaging. And so in the messaging in the current administration is really um, how can we, how can that agriculture industry solve problems related to climate uh, and sustainability? Um, what are best practices around work, worker safety and occupational health? Uh, the pandemic has definitely um, increased those conversations in terms of how do we keep employees safe across ag? And so we're seeing a lot about that. Uh, this administration has a really close connection with United Food and Commercial Workers. And so we see a real nod to labor unions um, mm-hmm. and labor unions really driving policy. Um, and, um, and and Bill Sa- Secretary Bill Sachs, who's current Secretary of uh, Ag, is very, very focused on regional food systems. And he was focused on that in the Obama administration too. I think that um, recognizing that there's, a, there's an important it's important to look both at, um, you know, who's producing the most food because we need mm-hmm. to feed people, but then how can we make sure that local communities have access to safe and affordable food? And then there's the additional group of people who really has an interest in buying uh, and supporting local um, manufacturers of food, producers of food, and this administration wants to help those folks succeed. So right, I think yeah. that's, yeah, that's what I really see. Yeah, I agree. I, I've been, I've, I've got a few invitations to sit through some of the rural stakeholder meetings that the White House has had. Yeah. And it's a very interesting conversation. Yeah. You know, when you're talking about broadband, you're talking about 
kind of the food desert mantra, but something you said, and I want to just touch on, because I think it's super important to point out, folks remember the career people that are at the USDA and in the government, you know, every four years or every eight years, you know, up here changes, but you know, down here, the people in the the trenches that are working every day for this country, don't really change. And they're there. And they're the unsung heroes. They're really truly are the unsung heroes of our government. They got they're they're, in some ways, and I don't mean it's any different. They're nameless and faceless in a lot of ways, and they do everything. They are they're so pivotal to the process. Yeah, yeah. I I remember in the the team that was in the last administration came in, and one of the um, undersecretaries said to me, you know, he came from a state um, state government in ag, and said. Um, you know, I always thought that here are the trade folks, you know, the folks that are in charge of trade for USDA. I thought they were responsible for all these great trade deals. But it's really the career people in food safety and in, eight, and in animal plant health inspection service and in ag marketing service who are doing all of the groundwork to get other countries to accept our product. And yeah. um, I love I love that recognition because the career people work so hard. And, you know, I was a career employee in the federal government for 16 years. Um, and you're right. They're the unsung heroes. Mm-hmm. They work very, very hard. And um, this idea of, you know, bureaucracy, it is true that things take time in federal government. And a lot of that is due to changes in administration. And so you have change in some policy, um, but the career work continues to go on. So how, as a strategist, the way that I help my clients is in looking at the new administration's priorities, how can I align my, my client's work that's been going on sometimes for decades, but how can I message that in a way that resonates with the new administration in order to get things done? And, right. and that's what people like me in Washington, D.C. do. Um, and um, and it can be really effective if you look at it from that lens. And oh, absolutely. Well, yeah, 100%. You got to know the people. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, how, yeah. Many people, how many people are in USDA? Like 140,000? 100, yeah, yeah. whatever it is. Like 100,000. Yeah, 10,000 yeah. at, at FSIS. So, yeah. Wow. Well, so... I guess I'm going to throw another question at you. And I'm probably going to throw two questions at you because they kind of kind of go together and I'll let you run with just however you want to take it. But yeah. there's some major issues. You, t- you touched on a few um, that they're that they're wanting to try to, to try to fix currently. And I guess my second part of it, because of the process that's involved, right? Everybody's got to get along to make things happen, you know, in, in D.C., which, you know, <laughs> doesn't necessarily happen on a daily basis. But what's the reality of some of these things getting fixed and resolved? Because you know, I think sometimes we get into this thing like, you know, here's an issue and we keep talking about an issue. And I say this all the time, but like we talk about this issue, we talk about this issue, and we never get it resolved. And yeah. what's the reality of some of these things that you're throwing out there? So I know that's kind of a really broad question, um, but I'll let you run with it and see what your thoughts yeah. are. So one one um, issue that I would, so I, I'm going to start answer, by answering the question this way, and that I think the media, and I think I said this last time I was on also, I think the media makes it seem like we're all a lot further apart than we actually are in this country, which is really unfortunate. Um, and I yeah. think it's, 20, the 24-hour news cycle has only added to that, which is why podcasts and programs like the one that you're putting on is so important because you really do, I think, see from week to week with the folks you're putting on that there's a lot more that that binds us than divides us. So thank you. Yeah. Um, And, you you know, I think one of the, there there are, there are many issues that new administrations try to sort of take credit for. I mean, let's look at 
uh, climate and sustainability. Um, I work a lot with the meat and poultry sector and the meat and poultry companies have been looking for how to be the solution for the last 20 years. Uh, just because the previous administration maybe doesn't talk all that much about it doesn't mean that individual private companies aren't doing the work. And so having a new administration come in and set targets and commit internationally to um, certain metrics, I think that's great. Uh, but let's not forget that the individual work from the companies has been going on for, for many years. So um, in that case, you have administrations that can sort of claim credit for things that are going mm -hmm. on. And I think that's okay. It's just we need to have that recognition. A big issue that I really think needs to get fixed um, in the very short term is immigration reform. And we hear about this um, you hear about this from almost every sector. Uh, and uh, it's it's important to have a, um, a, a labor force in this country that has passed to citizenship, that has um, that that is that is treated fairly and workers are paid uh, what they're worth. And these are these are areas that th I think there is broad bipartisan support for what I'm talking about. But Congress has to get that to the finish line. The executive branch can't necessarily do that. And it's frustrating to, especially in the produce industry, to sit on some in some roundtables and sessions with some of the larger trade associations for produce and hear companies talk about the fact that they've been working on this for 20 years, you know, to try to get immigration reform. Mm -hmm. So um I, that's something that I think this administration could make as a priority, and I hope that they do, um, but it's something that's got to change. Yeah, you know, it, well, it goes back to what I just said earlier, right? We keep talking about an issue, we don't resolve it. And I, I'm a, you know, yeah. and immigration's massive. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a, we don't want to say it's a problem. It's a problem. And, and it's a problem that we keep for, again, 20 years, we can't get it solved. And I'm uh, at the point now when it comes to the, with, with the conversation about immigration, it's like, why don't we just solve something? And the, the, the ag industry will adapt, yes. make it work, and move forward. 100%, Todd. Completely yeah. agree with that. Yeah. In any, with, any, with any policy change, you are not going to make 100% of people happy, right? Um, but there are ways to, and in some cases, you may make everyone in ag happy, but then make some other constituencies unhappy. Um, but a huge part of that is how you message it, right? Mm -hmm. How you package it and how you message it. Rural, rural broadband is another, another issue. Of course, Sunny Purdue at Department of Ag in the last administration made that a priority. It's a priority in this administration. It is, um, it is not, uh, it's not a moneymaker, the last mile, right, of broadband um, in rural America. But we live in a country that should be able to uh, subsidize that last mile in a way that's going to provide access to all Americans. Um, and when you live in a place like DC, you know people just don't understand that they, these these issues that are out in rural America, in many metropolitan areas, folks forget and or they don't know. They just it's it's a lack of awareness. So we we got to do more education. Yeah, I agree. And you, know, you brought up a good point. It just popped a thought into my head. You know, the way our system works, and, and it's by far, you know, in, in a lot of ways, the greatest system that's on the planet today, right? Because of what it provides and the, and the opportunities it provides yes. and the conversation it is allowed to have. But the system kind of is, is, is one side always wins, one side always loses, right? So it continues to have this divide. And then, you know, when you take a look at bills 
that, you know, a, a bill that could be five pages is, is, you know, 500 pages because of all the things that go on to it. it starts to get really, really cloudy. I was talking to somebody the other day and it struck me. It's like, wouldn't it be great if Congress had to pass everything with a 90% approval rating where everybody got along and everybody got to the finish line together? Yes, you can't always, you can't be at 100%, but wouldn't it, I mean, and I think that's something these guys have got to start to think about is like, what is, you know, I think we get too caught up in the wins and the losses and not at the overall victory that we're trying to seek. This episode of Toddversations is brought to you by Dohai Marketing and Branding. Let us be your growth hive. Learn more at dohai.io. I think that that's, I think that that the way that you put that is exactly how, what we see play out in the polling, Todd. I mean, people are, uh, the average American is really frustrated with the government. Um, and I think that the way that they believe that they're frustrated with it is not actually the reason why they're frustrated with it. I mean, the government works to the extent mm-hmm. that services are provided and, um, and, and, and folks get, can get access to, to many of those services. Um, but there's so much more that we could do for doing it together. Right. And yeah. there's so much, um, the, the media is a part of it, but also just in terms of, like you said, how politi- how politicized things become because members of Congress make them political right. or, administ- or administrations make them political. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. And again, it goes back to, to the win. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's could be considered tribal. It's, it's my team wins. Your team didn't win. Got yeah. win. And I, yeah. I just don't see how that wins the day anymore because the machine has gotten to be so big. Yeah. That it's almost like we have to ratchet it down a little bit to garner that common sense. And immigration reform is a prime example, I think, of that is like, let's work to solve it. 20 years, you just can't be doing something for 20 years and not get resolution. If a business was struggling for 20 years to find a resolution, they wouldn't be in business past the 18th year, right? It'd be, they'd be gone after two. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Yeah. And, and an issue like immigration reform really gets to lots of other issues, too. So if you can solve that or at least come to some kind of compromise on it, like you said, um, there's, you know, you know, maybe don't make every everyone doesn't achieve exactly what they're looking for. But industry will will adapt and yeah. there, there are other benefits to it. hundred percent. Other social and policy issues. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I want to talk a little bit, if we can, I'll switch gears a little bit off of that yeah. and just talk about the supply thing a little bit. And the reason I want to bring this up, I mean, I've, I've been active in the conversation. I've been down to the port in Los Angeles, I, and, and I've stood up on top of the rooftop of a fairly tall building and looked out yeah. over the, across the entire, from, from San Pedro all the way down to, to Long Beach. Six boats, fully stacked, no cranes moving, stuff everywhere. I mean, it's, it is, you know, it is a, a bit of a mess. And, and, and there's a lot of reasons behind it. Uh, infrastructure-wise, things that they should change, especially here in California, that just don't seem to get that conversation. But I want to talk a little bit about what's being said in Washington about the supply issues. But from the perspective of maybe not what everybody's hearing on the evening news or getting that news feed, do you have some insight and just some, just you know, a little bit of that groundswell uh, strategy thought process on that? Yeah, absolutely. So I have several thoughts on this, um, and you touched on part of it. You know. The United States has been very successful in some recent trade negotiations for export, which is fantastic. I think sometimes it's reported that, oh, you know, we're not, there's a, such a, the, the 
maybe the shelf is, is empty here in the United States for something I want, but the com- these companies are making all this money by shipping it elsewhere. But if you look at the meat and poultry sector um, in particular, there are so many products that con- U.S. consumers don't eat that are still part of the animal and are edible parts of the animal that are USDA inspected. Um, and so it's great to have a market for those kinds of um, products overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's a, that's a sustainable practice because if you don't use that part of the animal, it's going to end up in a landfill or it's going to be waste, right? Um, right? And so it's fantastic that the U.S. government has aided in um, have getting access for those products overseas. But as a result of that, you have some infrastructure issues uh, at ports and you have an aging system that hasn't necessarily kept up with that, which is why I think many of us would love to see an infrastructure package that deals with some of that. Yeah. The other thing, you know, the other thing is that um, there are transportation issues right now. We've, We've talked about immigration reform, but labor is a really, really big challenge in this country. And I don't just mean labor like in manufacturing facilities or harvesting crops or harvesting animals. I also mean truck drivers mm-hmm. and folks who work at ports and inspectors. And so I think you have all of these things. It's a confluence of factors that you can't, you know, just like inflation, you know, you can't just pin that on any single, single mm-hmm. thing. Um, but demand is very high um, right now at the grocery store. So lots of people still are nervous to go out to eat. And lots of people found that they could feed their families really good quality food in their homes and are continuing to do that. Yeah. So we see very, very high consumer demand. We see a uh, lack of infrastructure in some places, aging infrastructure and, um, and, and transportation. And all of those things coming together have created these kind of backlogs. There also are, you know, we, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens as we emerge from this pandemic and really get into an endemic phase, which is, you know, what you see with things like the flu um, or other kind right. of viruses that become endemic in society, um, how things change. But I definitely think that the federal government is going to have to do some soul searching in terms of, you know, how to ease um, a regulatory burden or other or or advance infrastructure um, moving forward because it's there's not all that's infrastructure Todd is another area that that for for decades um, you've heard presidents talk about a need to improve infrastructure and just we haven't done it yeah it's I, I, yeah 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 I, I mean it, it I agree with you we haven't it's one of those things that I hope that this current scenario that we're living under now they put the right people in the room to solve this problem that, 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 you know, that it, 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 and I think that's going to be really important. I mean, I would love to see the, you know, the husband and wife that, uh, you know, are truck driving uh, out of the central part of the United States, making 50 K a year, driving a 2008 truck that are trying to go that you know, want to do their, that are in the, in the room saying, this is what the reality of it is. Yeah. Right. Here's, here's what it really feels like. You, you don't, you know, and I, I think that's bringing that perspective is so important to some of these issues now. Yeah. And back to a point you made earlier about the the idea of wins and losses. I mean, in this, in an issue like infrastructure, you have members of Congress across this country that could take those as wins for getting infrastructure in their state that is necessary, you know, in terms of movement, commerce movement between states. Um, It just feels like it's an issue that should be, of course, of course, it's costly. And so we need to figure out, I mean, we need to be um, stewards of taxpayer money and figure out how to make that work. But 
I agree with you that I think smart minds and real perspectives could could can generate a, a package that both sides could be victorious on. Yeah, I'd love to see. I'd love to see these issues get to the finish line. I really would because I think it, it would. I think it's going to tremendously change the trajectory of this country. All yeah. positive. Yeah. Totally I don't see, I see, you know, it's all, it's all positive that we need to get into. Yeah. I, I thank you for sharing it from your perspective. I appreciate it. What do you think the, you know, you think about what's the hottest issue? What's the biggest hot button topics right now in ag, do you think? I mean, we talked about immigration for sure, but yeah. I mean, is there some other ones that are wow. out there? I mean, there's a yeah. lot, there's a lot of moving parts. Yes. There's a lot of moving parts. I still think that COVID is the, is the, uh, is large and center um, right now for agriculture. Um, for the country. And, and that's why I mentioned moving from pandemic to endemic. I think that um, the public health messaging, GAO just came out with a report about health and human services, putting it on the high risk category. Um, mm-hmm. And and the reason, part of the reason being that the public health messaging has been a real challenge for HHS these last couple of years. And that's crossed administrations. Um, I don't think that that can be blamed on either administration, but there are challenges there. And um, and that's going to have long lasting effects. So I also think that that crosses over to agriculture, the public health messaging. Um, and, and COVID is just looming large. Demand yeah. is at an all time, is that demand is very high right now. Um, there's, we, the, the industry, I think can leverage that into especially on the produce side and on the meat side too, but we're, we're creating, we're making healthy um, options for your family. Um, and, and we have, we are the SAG is the solution to some of these challenges. Um, but there's still, we're still seeing outbreaks across the country. Um, we're still seeing not the acceptance of vaccines the way that I think public health officials wish we were. And, um, and I think we're seeing that in a lot of agriculture and rural, rural communities. And so I really think that it's still looming large. Um, I hope that there can be a bit of a course correct in public health messaging so that we can find a way forward um, as, a, as a country, can find a way forward to be living with this among us because COVID's not going to go away. Yeah, I agree. I, I, think, I, I think if you take a look at this from a branding marketing strategy perspective, yes. it was not done, you know, we, no. we, it wasn't done well. No. All yeah. of it. And I think that's and I think that's thrown us for a curve. I think it's part of the problem is that we've not yeah. been direct and good and honest and open with with messaging yeah. and solutions yeah, you know, on how to move forward. Yeah, I agree with that. So yeah. when you when you think about ag, you know, uh, coming up this year um, in, yeah. in, in 2022, policy is obviously, you know, a, yeah. a big word to throw into that. So what do you what's it look like for ag policy and even implementation of ag policy yeah. this year? Yeah, I think we're going to see a series of rulemakings. Um, I think that we'll see the strengthening organic enforcement rule be finalized. And, you know, that's been 20 years, maybe 20 years in the making. Yeah. Um, which is which is great. The proposal had some, um, I know you've had Jenny Tucker on from National <laughs> Organic Program. She is fantastic. I, and I know that USDA will take the comments into consideration. Um, the proposal was long. There are some things that need to be um, clarified. And I am confident that USDA will do that. But I think we'll see that come out. And that'll have some impact on um, organic um especially for imports of organic product. And, and I, I think that's really exciting. Um, on the food safety side, a real 
the, there's a real government shift to trying to get better attribution data. What are the what are the things that make people sick most often? Um, I think there's going to be a greater push for data, uh, and part of that is be also because of the pandemic. Um, in terms of realizing that the country doesn't, the government does not do a great job. They do a good job of collecting some data, but uh, what they do with that data, I think, has been an open question. And uh, the difference between the states and the federal government and how that interfaces, I think we're going to see some, I think we're going to see some changes coming out of the pandemic there. Um, but uh, certainly on salmonella, E. coli, uh, in, uh, in, especially as we look at leafy greens, Mm -hmm. um, I think we're going to definitely see some new food safety guidance and regulations coming out of both um, FSI, the USDA and, and FDA. Um, additional FSMA implementation, which is going to be wrapped up in that in terms of water, water sourcage and reporting. Um, and, uh, and then I do think that there is going to be this continued focus on worker safety um, and health. And, and I think that we're going to see, you know, we've seen OSHA come, try to come out with the emergency temporary standard, which didn't pass the Supreme Court's muster, you know, didn't think it was going to. But that doesn't mean that they can't still propose rules, right? They mm -hmm. can't do it under an emergency uh, temporary standard, uh, meaning an emergency temporary standard means you can roll out a rule without taking public comment. Um, and, and the Supreme Court has said, no, you can't do that. So they're, so they're going to go through a regular rulemaking process. Uh, and so we'll see that. And I and I think that this continued focus on um, the safety of employees, OSHA has uh, had a reduction in its um, workforce for a number of years. And so I think that we'll see we'll see them try to increase their numbers there. And that has an impact on ag pretty directly. Sure. The ag industry is sort of has been in the crosshairs for some of the administrations um, placing blame. I love it. Thank you. What about long term? Though? What about over the next several years? Is there some things that are you think that are kind of on the on the back of the burner that's going to get drug forward that are going to be something we're going to be talking about in, you know, 2024 or whatever, 2023? Yeah, yeah I think I think this idea of data and how we use it is mm -hmm. going to be um, that this country is behind in terms of in terms of data collection um, and analysis and how we use the data that we get. And of course, private entities are doing a lot of this work themselves um, in order to, it, it, the agriculture industry is an incredibly efficient industry um, because it has to be. Uh, that's The margins are really, really thin. And so it has to be an efficient industry, but the government needs to do a better job of utilizing data in order to make policy decisions. And I think that's true on the public health side. I think it's true um, on the uh, on food safety, I think it's true on worker health. So I think I think we're going to continue to see that. Oh, I love. Well, that's certainly positive. And of course, we yeah. live in a world where everybody everybody can spell data now by the age of three. I think. Yeah. <laughs> an, alg an algorithm. Those yeah. are all words of kids. You know, yeah, it's now no, in the vocabulary. It's true, though. I mean, technology is moving so quickly in certain industries, and I think um, agriculture started late in the game, but uh, but things are getting automated at a more and more rapid pace and the agriculture industry and the federal government that regulates the ag industry needs to play a little bit of catch up. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I mean, you know, on this platform, we're, we're working and talking and doing stuff with a lot of these, these ag startup companies, these companies that have bringing technology yeah. and data and 
yes. you know, whatever you want to call it. Today. And I have learned a tremendous amount. There are some really, really cool things going on. It, it really is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost a little bit like the wild, wild west, right? It's just like all of a sudden it's ag 2.0, whether, and this is yeah. above and beyond just, you know, you know, whether it's, you know, a vertical farming type of thing, but these are yeah. guys that are, that are, you know, extracting data from sprinkler pipes and they're looking yeah. at all kinds of different things. I mean, it's fascinating to me. There's some really, we've got some really cool shows coming up that are really going to focus on some of this stuff. And I'm excited about them because I get into these stories with you. It's like your mouth yeah. drops. Like, what, it's like, what did you wake up on a Saturday, have a cup of coffee and go, oh, let's do this. It's no, great. I, I totally agree with you. And I'm fortunate to have a couple of ag tech clients and, um, it's fantastic. I mean, the reg system was not necessarily, the re regulatory statutes were not necessarily written in order to encompass some of these technologies, but um, but many of the statutes are also flexible enough that we can work within existing, um, within the existing statutes in order to make a difference, but it's incredible. Yeah. I love it. It's, it's, it's super, it really is super exciting to watch and see. Any final thoughts or ideas or concerns? Anything, anything up your sleeve? You want to, you know, drop a bomb? I, I know I have to address because I'm going to get asked. Grandma didn't come on today. I'm a little bit disappointed we didn't get Grandma on. I know Grandma's 96. I think you told oh, me now. Yeah, Grandma's yeah, 96. We couldn't get her. Yeah. But I got to figure out a way to get Grandma on because I just think I, I just 20 minutes of Grandma will be an absolute kick in the ass. I'm just telling you. Yeah, well, it you know, um, Grandma is uh, is is almost ninety six, and if I happen to be in Denver where she lives uh, when we're oh, if I happen to be in Denver where she lives when we're doing a podcast, I can have her on with me. Uh, next time you're going to Denver, we're doing a podcast. That's what I just heard you say. All right, you got it. Hello, <laughs> but no, any any kind of final thoughts or anything that you see that you you want to leave us with a tidbit. No, I think this has been a fantastic conversation. So I really appreciate the opportunity and you having me yeah. on. Yeah. Oh, it's my, well, you know, it's my pleasure. I'm a huge fan of yours and I love what you do. And I love, I love from the perspective that you do it from, because I just, I've being around you and spending time with you and listening to you and how you look at things. You're the kind of voice and eyes and perspective that we need in that mm -hmm. side, that beltway to get the ball down the field. And I appreciate you for what you do and what well, Groundswell's about. You. Thank you so much. You know, it's all about the people, Todd, and you have made that front and center of your uh, program, but it is all about the people and connections. At the end of the day, all of this policy is written by human people, and yeah. all of these companies are run by individuals that have faces, and we tend to lose sight of that when we try to vilify certain segments, um, but uh, people, no matter how much technology and automation, still need people to drive it. And very, that's a good point. We're dropping the Sharpie on that one. That's yeah, a perfect, that's perfect right. way to end. But, you know, thank you again for being here and sharing. And you're, I hope you'll come back for round three and and technically round four with grandma. I just want to throw that out there. I want to make sure we say that one more time. But, you know, one of the things I say all the time, and, and you've done this beautifully today, especially for me, and I know others are going to listen to this. You know, I talk all the time about inspiring people, right? And we need voices like yours to keep that inspiration up, to keep that positivity in all that we're doing, especially politically, um, because it's so important. And inspiration is something we can do every day. It's easy to do. So, you know, thank you for that. And like I always say, go inspire somebody. It's really important. Great. Thanks, Todd. So, thank you for being here. All Thanks, right. everybody, for hanging out on Todd Bits. We really do appreciate you. Don't forget, hoodie for golf. Get on it. Love it. Next week's show, Sandra Gall with the LPGA Tour. Uh, what a positive vibe she gives off all about love and giving back to the community, giving back to girls. It's a fun thing. It's going to be a great show. Thank you, Carmen, for hanging out with us. I appreciate you. And I will see you uh, probably in D.C. eventually. Not till it gets warm, though. Not till it gets warm. When those cherry blossoms come out, I'm going to hold you to it.
done. I appreciate right. it. Thanks. Take Thanks care. everyone for being here. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.